You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Good morning, Canby Foursquare. How you doing? Doing all right? All right, good. Yeah, it was actually a question, so looking for a response. It's good to be together again, church. Uh, we are so blessed again. There's some great teams that made Sunday possible, and Pastor Ron said uh, so many people came out to make it possible so we could have seats and people sit in here, and there were crews here, and we have a volunteer team that meets every Monday, and they are incredible humans. Uh, they are really just great people. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You should join the team. It usually is led by uh, Jerry and uh, Chuck, and they come out, and they, they have a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughter. There's lots of donuts, and there's occasionally breakfast. It's a great little volunteer team that serves this church with their time and their talent uh, week in and week out, so we thank you. As Pastor Ron said, we are continuing our series, Jesus for Everyone. Uh, it has been a wonderful series. I know the, the book of Luke and Acts have played an integral part of my life. They have uh, searched my heart and, and pierced my heart in different ways. And as we go through the, the gospel of Luke, it continues to do that. Uh, I have just been touched by the gospel once again. And that is the point, that we would keep going. That as we look at the scripture, that we would not just hear it and we would not read it, but we would see Christ. We would see him and we would see the gospel working in our lives and through us and around us. This week's title, uh, sermon title is called, I Know Someone. I know someone. And what I mean by I know someone is what I want you to think about is think about when you get into a situation, when you're going through a predicament of perhaps this week, we, you know, tree fell down. Oh, I know someone. I know, I know a guy who can come down and cut down your tree. If you think about you get into some, some legal problems, you go, everybody comes up to you and they go, oh, I know someone. I know this woman. She is an excellent lawyer. She will fix this situation. It might be you, you lost your hairstylist. Oh, I know a great hairstylist. A mechanic, whatever it is. But we find ourselves in these situations where we come to a point in life and we have a problem or we have a situation. And what happens is people want to come around you and say, oh, I know someone. I recently went through this uh, in May. If you Remember back in May, I announced to a church, we're finally Canby locals, and we bought a house here in Canby, and it's a, it's a great blessing to just work after work every day and all weekend. Um, just shiplap this and shiplap that and barn door. Uh, my wife, being half Japanese, she, she gets the idea that maybe we are Chip and Joanna Gaines, but she misses the point. Yeah. Just because she is Asian, that does not make me chip gains. So it does not look good in my house. Uh, but I'm trying. Anyhow, we, get, we got into a situation where we were going to buy a house and we let the cat out of the bag. Hey, we're looking around and we're trying to buy local here in Canby. And what happened when we did that? Everybody started saying, 
Oh, I know a great real estate agent. She'll get you a low price, low interest, low, she's wonderful, this person, she's great. Or I know a guy, he's a great real estate agent, he's here. And, and everybody was telling us, the best real estate agent in Canby. Two observations were made during this time. One, everybody knows the best real estate agent, and it's not the same person. That's an interesting one. And secondly, uh, what we found, what made the best real estate agent was their gift baskets that they gave upon when you signed for the house. So what we found out was people would tell us, oh, these are great real estate agents. She's the best. He's the best. He's great. And, and as we heard what was happening, uh, they said, oh, when we, we signed the papers and we came in, we got the keys, we walked in, and there was a big basket of chocolate and dark chocolate and meat and cheese. and They're just the best. I'm like, well, did they do anything great for the purchase of the house? But that doesn't matter. They gave me a great basket. Uh, and so if you, you came to church for spiritual guidance today, but I just gave you business tips as well. If any of you are starting to be a real estate agent, just give good baskets and you will be on the short list of great real estate agents. Well, the, the point of this is, is that everybody, they, they know somebody and, and we will all go through this at one point in our life. It, it might be simple. We might need an electrician. We might need a tutor, a daycare, or a counselor. For others of us, it's going to be something bigger. It's going to be, we need a miracle. We need God to break through, like right now, like yesterday, God. It's going to be a terminal illness. It's going to be, um, perhaps our marriage is struggling. Maybe there's some relational damage. Maybe an estranged child. There's, there's going to be something where we need God, we need you to, to really pull through right now. And I think, as I was going through the, the verses that we'll look at today, I really believe that this is the heart. This is the heart of us as Christians. The heart of us as Christians is we know someone. When we're going through life and we're going through trials, we know someone. This is the heart of sharing our faith. When people are going through uh, life circumstances, someone in the, the current political situation, the per political climate. I know someone, and his kingdom actually rules and reigns. And, and, the, and the word says that his kingdom is the one that wins in the end, and he's already told us the end. I know someone. The heart of the gospel is that the, the, the pain when we walk through with somebody of, of losing somebody recently, losing somebody in our life, we go, I know someone, and he's called the great comforter. I know a guy. His name is Jesus. Someone receives results from the doctor's office that aren't favorable. And we go, I know someone. I know someone. And his name is Jesus, and he has a track record of healing. Somebody struggling with anxiety, a fear. I know someone who gives peace. And, and not just not just simple, short-term peace, but a peace that surpasses all understanding. I know someone. As we look at the, the Gospel of Luke, we are going to look in chapter, verses, chap, chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. But over the last couple of weeks, 
If you remember, Pastor Ron left us um, right at the end of chapter 7, and what we had in chapter 7 there was this woman of, uh, of a background of prostitution, and she had come, and she had fallen at the feet of Christ, and she came weeping with her tears, and she, she came with, with ointment, expensive ointment. She used that and broke that for, um, for worship, and she's washing the feet of Jesus. And she, what makes her unique is that she recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, that she's the one that recognizes this guy is who we've been waiting for. And then as we travel through uh, the rest of chapter 8, that there's continued teaching where Jesus will continue to teach in parables, that he will continue to teach teachings and make disciples. And, and again, many of the disciples that Jesus is making is women. That again, Luke is really looking specifically at what society considers the least, the last, and the lost. And in this current culture and society, women are of the least. And, and what Jesus is doing is he's calling women to say, hey, your, uh, all your worth and value isn't just in who you marry. All your worth and value isn't in raising children. All your worth and value doesn't come from this culture. But your value, your inherent value is equal to anyone your inherent value is equal to men, to women, that there is no longer Jew, no longer Gentile, no longer slave, no longer free, that we all belong to this kingdom. And Jesus will go on to teach uh, through ch- the beginning of chapter 8. And what, what chapter 8 really, here's the big picture of chapter 8, is God's sovereignty. Jesus' sovereignty. People are wanting to know this Jesus guy is starting to do things that seem like God. He's not only uh, healing people, he's not only just doing the miraculous, he's forgiving sins. And this is really what's agitating religious leaders. And Jesus, right now, Jesus is going to say, hey, we need to go across uh, to the other side of the river in the midway through chapter 8, or the other side of the lake, and Jesus goes to the other side of the lake. You remember the story, and Jesus decides, I need a nap, and then the waves come, and all these fishermen that should know better are like freaking out. They're like, why is this guy napping? Jesus gets up, and, and Jesus shows that he is sovereign or in control of the natural world, and he calms the sea. And the disciples are like, what are we dealing with here? Well, they get to the other side of the sea, and when they get there, there's a man filled with demons, and he's a demoniac, and Jesus casts out these demons, accidentally throws them into pigs. The pigs run off the side of the, road, off the, side of the cliff, and they all die. Heals a man, but kills a bunch of pigs. Jesus is bad. Um, so, not he is bad, but... My bad, I accidentally killed state, uh, some pigs. So just bear with the story. Uh, there's some farmers and they're like, we're upset, uh, our pigs. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, don't worry about it. This guy is free. This guy wants to follow Jesus. And he comes and he says, I want to go with you and your disciples. And Jesus says, no, I want you to stay. And I want you to proclaim what I've done. I want you to be the first missionary. So Jesus uses a demoniac that has been saved for about 10 minutes and says, you go be the first missionary. Yeah, it's crazy. Jesus can do it. We wouldn't let that person near our kids' ministry. Uh, That would not pass the background check. 
So then what we have here, and so what this shows is Jesus is in control of the natural world, the storms. Jesus is in control of the supernatural world, demons. And then we come to where we are today in our scripture. And where we find ourselves is Dr. Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, is writing to Theophilus, and he's telling stories of the power of Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves here in verse Eight, or chapter 8, verse 40 through 56. And we are focusing on Jesus for everyone, the least, the last, and the lost. And what we will find ourselves in this story, there's three scenes. So this, this might sound a little bit strange to you, and Pastor Ron touched on it a couple uh, weeks ago in one of his sermons, but oftentimes in literature, because literature is art, and it's an artistic form, and it's beautiful, that the Bible's written in such a way where there's scenes, and there's, there's uh, authors, and they write with a particular style, and they, they have objectives that they're trying to, to show you. And in this, the, the same is true like a movie, where you're watching a movie, and you've been watching Jesus heal people, Jesus has been teaching, and now we get to these, this very interesting three scenes. And we have a desperate dad, a desperate woman. I accidentally wrote the slide wrong this morning, so I had to go edit it. It said desperate women. And that was weird. Uh, and the death of a daughter. So we're going to see these three scenes unfold in verses 40 through 56 of chapter 8. And it's a desperate dad, a desperate woman, and the death of a daughter. So what I'll do this morning is I will read through the text, and usually what I do is I read through the whole text and then come back and teach, but this time we'll do a little bit of a rolling commentary because Steve wants me to finish before noon. So uh, this will hopefully speed up the process. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, please open up to chapter 8, verse 40 through 56, and I, was, I had a conversation with Ron a, a while ago, and it's funny, so many of you email or ask or text, and I always forget to tell you how, what, my, what translation of the Bible I use. That is probably the most asked question out of you guys. Uh, it's really a funny question, uh, but I use the ESV, uh, English Standard Version. I keep forgetting to tell you, but there you have it. I've covered, covered it, and that should eliminate a bunch of emails. I use the ESV. And uh, occasionally the NIV. It's a new international version, and I lived overseas, so international was really helpful for international living. There you have it. Follow with me in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, returned from the crowd. So now Jesus is coming back from the sea that he, he'd crossed over the, 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 the lake that he just went over and he healed. This is the, the water that was, uh, had big old waves and Jesus flattened the sea, went over, healed the demoniac. Now he's on his way back. Now when Jesus had returned, the crowd had welcomed him for they were waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of a synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only one daughter who was 12 years old of age, and she was dying. She was dying. So this is the scene. And, and we, really, we really have to learn to feel it. We have to uh, be in the story or else what happens is this becomes a storybook that we read our kids. 
If this is all that it is, it just becomes stories that we tell kids and we teach in Sunday school, but we have to realize these are real people. These are a real situation. Think about if there's a, is there dads in here? Is there a dad in here? Any dads? You got, you got hands? Raise those hands up. Any dads? Okay. There are some dads in here, and if you've ever been desperate for your kids, for a situation that's going on with your kids, you, you dads, you got to feel this. That doesn't eliminate moms or if you don't have kids, but you got to feel that these are real people. This is a real dad. He's been sitting on the edge of the shore. He's been waiting. Perhaps by now, he's, people have already heard about what happened on the other side. Perhaps people knew that on the sea that this Jesus guy, he calmed the storm a couple days ago. And then words probably already spread that there was a, that, that guy over there, the demoniac, he's been healed. Word has spread, and people are lined up, and they're waiting. And this isn't a flight plan. This isn't an itinerary, friends. This isn't, oh, he comes in, and he'll be arriving at 10, 15 a.m., and you sit there with your latte, and you're holding the sign. Welcome home, Jesus. How long has he been waiting? Has he been waiting a few hours? Has he been waiting there a day? A couple days? This is a dad in his last-ditch effort as he goes, I've heard of this guy. Somebody said, hey, your daughter's dying. I know someone. And think about this. This dad had to make the decision. He's here at his home, and he's with his little girl who's 12 years old, and he's with her bedside, and somebody has said, Jairus, there's this guy named Jesus. I don't know if you want to hear this right now, but he's healing people. Another healing. He just calmed the sea, and he just healed on the other side of the lake. He healed a man with demons, and he's healing a lot of people. And Jairus, he has to make the decision. Daughter, I'm going to leave you here, and I'm going to go there to Jesus. I have to make the decision. I, Jairus is the leader of a synagogue. He's the leader of, uh, he's, he's basically like a pastor type. He runs a synagogue. And remember, it's the religious leaders that are really ticked off at Jesus. And Jairus makes the decision to leave his dying daughter to go to this Jesus. Think about these are the religious leaders that are really mad at Jesus. These are the ones that are really ticked off at him, making claims of being the Messiah. The ones that are saying, he forgives sins. Whoa, 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 we're fine with your little magic tricks. But you're going around saving people, forgiving sins? That's God's stuff. Who do you think you are? This, this is Jairus, the religious leader. And he has to make the decision to go, I'm going to go all in on this guy. And he finds himself on the edge of a sea waiting for this Jesus guy. That is the climate that we're walking in. That is a real dad, a real man with a real title in real high position. And he's just made a radical step of faith. Let's carry on. Uh, Verse 42, uh, all the way down to 48. 
and Jesus went, and so Jairus said, will you come to my house? So Jesus said, let's go. And Jesus went, and the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, this is Dr. Luke who's writing this. He wants you to make it clear. No other gospel points this out. She had spent all her living on physicians that could not heal her. She could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And the woman said, and Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and, you're pressing, and they're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, and I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw this, she was hidden. She was, she was trembling, and she was falling down before him. She was falling down before him. And she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here's the scene. Jairus shows up on the edge. He's, want, he's there. There's crowds. There's a group of people that are wanting to see the show. They've heard about Jesus. Jairus says, I got a real problem. Jesus knows who this guy is. He's of high status. I'm desperate for you. Will you take me? Will you come with me to my daughter? Yes. Jesus begins to go through. Um, there's, a, there's a word in here that you guys are probably not familiar with, and I'll explain it. Uh, it's talk, it says crowd. And this is, uh, in the old days, there used to be groups of people, and they'd hang out, and they would touch, and they would be really close to one another, closer than six feet. It, it's called a crowd. Old, ancient group of people. Uh, anyhow, but dad joke. Anyhow, the, the crowd is, is pushing in on Jesus, and Jesus is, Jesus is a pretty famous itinerant teacher right now. He's going around, and he's teaching a lot. People know him, and he's trying to get through the crowd, and he gets touched. And, and what it says is it, it touched, the, touched the garment. And, and even today, rabbis, the, uh, in modern day, there's these four garments that go on the side of uh, their dress. Um, but there's four, gar- four little tassels, and they're blue, and it's a, as a reminder. It's a reminder that you're not of this world, that you're, you're focused on heaven and eternity. And so it says that this woman, that she, she reached out from under the crowd, and she touched Jesus. And Jesus perceived that the power had gone out from him. Now think about this woman. She was probably thinking, man... This Jesus guy, he's going around and he's touching people and healing people, right? I wonder if it works the other way. If you touch him, she's desperate for him. She has uh, 12 years of bleeding in connection, uh, most likely any, uh, any theologian or historian would say uh, connected to her menstruation. She's been 12 years of bleeding. This makes her, from the Levitical code, ceremonial unclean. 
She can't. 12 years of not being able to go and worship. 12 years of not entering the temple. She's ceremonial like, and, and, and culturally unclean. She's marginalized. She's an outcast. And she, she gets this bravery that says, maybe I don't have to actually touch him. I know that it's not right for anybody to touch me. I know, I know that I shouldn't be in this crowd. But if I could just touch something of him, if I could just touch his clothes, if I could just get to him, maybe, just maybe. And Peter, interestingly, Peter, the reasonable one, the reasonable one in this situation, perhaps the only story in ever about Peter being reasonable. Ever. Jesus is walking, and there's a big crowd, and Peter, Jesus says, somebody touch me. This is awkward, Jesus. Uh, really awkward. Uh, the reason why you might have felt somebody touch you is it's a giant crowd. Uh, and, and Jesus notices this, friends. This is what Jesus notices. He notices a touch of faith is different than the tussle of the crowd. Jesus notices a touch of faith from the tussle of the crowd. He meets the woman who's desperate to be healed. And, and, and he goes on, and at the, he, he refers to her, he goes, daughter. Jesus calls her a daughter. Who is Jesus on mission to go heal right now? He's going to go heal a powerful man's daughter. Jesus is going to, to heal a 12-year-old daughter. 12-year-old, average age of a, of a woman um, becoming a woman, about the time she begins her menstruation cycle. 12 years, she's 12 years old, and she's dying. How long has this woman had bleeding issues? 12 years. The whole length of this little girl's life is the whole length that this woman has been suffering. That Jesus, he calls to her, he's going to heal a high-status man's daughter. This low status, Jesus says, you're God's daughter. You're God's daughter. And you're your touch of faith stands out in the midst of the tussle of the crowd. Your God's in what he does, it's beautiful. And you should notice it. In verse 48, he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The word for well is actually saved. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Remember, Jesus has a way of doing this. Like, I know you came sick, and I know you came to touch, to be healed of your physical, uh, your physical ailments, but your faith, that, that touch of faith through the tussle of the crowd, that saved your soul. What you thought you came here for just saved your soul. Remember what Jesus, the woman at the well, the, the woman who, who showed up for water and she walked away saved. 
Remember the, the men who brought, their, brought uh, their friend and ripped off the roof and dropped him down? And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. And they're like, hey, cool, but he needs to walk. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, yeah, and heals him. The touch of faith stands out from the tussle of the crowd. Let's keep moving, church. We, go, we move on to scene three in the last verses from 49 to 56. While he was still speaking, someone from, while Jesus was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Jairus, your daughter is, is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus on hearing this, Jesus on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except for Peter, John, and James, the father and the mother of the, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning and for her. And he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Knowing that, she, knowing that she was dead, but taking her by the hand and held her, and, and, called, and he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that, something, that someone should give her something to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Break this down. Jairus goes to the edge of the sea. He's been waiting for Jesus because somebody has said that there's someone, there's a woman in the way she interrupts what Jesus is doing. She's, Jesus is on the way. Somebody has told this woman, I know someone. There's somebody, this someone, and his name's Jesus. She gets the idea, hey, he's going around touching people. What if the same someone, I touch them, and I get healed, and I get healed, and people and the crowds are cheering People are amazed and excited, and the crowds are like, he, he saved this woman. This woman can go worship God for the first time in 12 years. And through the crowd, somebody shows up and says, Jairus, cool it, man. We're done. Your daughter, she's dead. She died. You don't, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Real story, real person, real dad, real situation. What's Jairus thinking? I know in our church we have a number of people who have lost a kid. And I can't even begin to imagine. I can't even begin to imagine those words. This is a dad who was with his little girl. And he made a choice and he said, I'm going all in on this Jesus guy. I'm going to go because I'm desperate. And he wasn't there to hold his hand of his little girl when she passed. It doesn't, doesn't take any of us to be a parent or a dad to understand the weight of that moment. How many of us have been there? How many of us have been there and been ridiculed by friends, by family, by people in our life, people that we love? You're going all in on this Jesus guy. You're putting a lot of faith 
all your eggs in, your, on, in that basket of Jesus. You're living by faith and you're trusting in this Jesus. Where is he? Where is he in the midst of this year? Where is Jesus in the midst of racial injustice? Where is this Jesus in the midst of the pain and suffering of people around us? Where is Jesus in the midst of power? Where are power outages and fires? Where is Jesus in the midst of a a corrupt political uh, world that we live in? Where is this Jesus? You're still putting everything in on Jesus. It's easy for us to just miss it. But we can be caught up in the story and understand what's going on. Jesus says, Jairus, in so many words. And this is the word to us today, church. Jesus says, Jairus, The faith that brought you here, the faith that brought you to this ask, that faith will take you to the the rest of the way. Finish your faith. The faith that brought you here, keep going. The faith church that brought you here, keep going. Keep believing. And Jesus goes back to the house. And and church, we, we know that this girl is is dead, and, and there's details that Luke puts in here to, for us to know. And, and those details, we in our in our world, we're used to sur- to um, funerals that we, we go into a place that ver- are very quiet. That's just a custom that we all know. When we go into a funeral or a memorial service, we sit and we're quiet, and and that's a part of the service. Well culturally and ritually here that you wouldn't be quiet that the funeral had already begun there was crowds around the building that there it says weeping and mourning and what would happen weeping and mourning wasn't just from the parents that were sad but these were paid and hired weepers and mourners it was a part of the funeral so if you passed and you were to pass away and uh, I'm, I'm laying here dead. There would be people that would be constantly weeping and mourning and taking shifts and, uh, and going on and chatter. And then when their shift was up, then the next guy would come in and the next weeper and mourning. This was a part of the ceremony. And Luke is making this detail. Jairus has been gone for a while. It took a while for Jairus' servant to make it to him. The funeral had already begun. Jesus walks into the middle of the funeral and doesn't want to make a spectacle. So he clears the room and he, and he, takes, his, he takes Peter, James, and John, his disciples, who he will soon train up and say, now you go do it. You watch and see and now you will go do it next. So he brings his inner circle in and he comes in. And Jesus... Once again, going to the marginalized, the least, the last, and the lost. Ceremonially, that woman, it was not right for her to go and touch Jesus. Jesus turns to her, and, and he looks at her, and he calls her a daughter. It was right. Now Jesus is going to upset religious leaders because he goes and he touches a dead corpse. By the law of Leviticus, he was also not supposed to do this. This was also unclean. And Jesus goes and he takes this daughter by the hand. And he says, you're healed. And he gets up. And Jesus, doing what Jesus does, doesn't just take care of her spiritually. He goes, now feed her. 
And, and most, and I would agree, link this to the fact that there probably something that was happening with her was she was unable to eat. She died of something, a digestive problem, and she was unable to eat for a long while. Jesus wasn't just like, oh, you took a trip to, to heaven for a little bit, and now you need, need food. But it was also probably proof of what she was struggling with, what led her to die, and also so that it, it, rumor didn't spread that she was just a ghost, a figment of their imagination. But real power had come that really she was there eating. She is there and she has been healed. And what this does for us, church, is we look at these two stories. We look at what Jesus is doing in the lives of, of, the, of these three scenes. We see a desperate dad who's desperate to get healing for his daughter. His faith is cut short because it's not on his time. How many of us, church, are going through that right now? Where we came to Jesus and we came for a healing and we came for a, for a touch. We thought we'd be in a different season of life and it doesn't seem like our, it's the right time. And Jesus, he's off and he, and he heals somebody else, desperate for him. And that even maybe interrupts. It interrupts. Maybe Jesus would have made it there if he wouldn't have stopped for that girl. And the word to us today, church, is the faith that brought you here will take you there. What is it that brought you into these doors? Maybe you didn't even want to come. Maybe somebody talked you into it. Well, praise God, you're here. The faith of walking through the doors, the faith of walking with Christ, the faith that starts with the faith of a mustard seed might just be the things that we're going through right now in our life might just be the very things that what? Are saving us. Remember? Remember the woman who came? If I could touch him, I'd be healed. My physical situation would be different. Her finances are different. She could work now. Literally, her finances. She can now have a job. She can be in normal society, not an outcast. She could go into a store. She could go into the market. Everything's changed. But what's Jesus do? You came with a physical ailment, but you left with your soul saved, eternity with God. The things that are going on in our world, the things that are going on in our life right now, the things, the struggles that you're going through, it could be easy to go, are we crazy? Jesus, we stepped out for you. These people in this, in chapter 7 and 8 is not to meant to leave you with looking at superstars. These aren't superstars, the best of the best, and, and that's great that it happened in the Bible. This is a prostitute who recognized Jesus for who he says he is. This is a, a demonic man who knows the power of Christ and he gets touched by Christ and he responds to it. This is a desperate dad that has ran all other options. He's got power and position and he said, away with that power and position, I'm clinging to Jesus. And it's a desperate woman who just knows a touch of the fringe of his robe would change everything.
This is the word for you today, church. You don't have to get it all together. You don't have to be perfect. There's not a better version of you that's going to walk through those doors that you're going to be ready to be a good Christian. These people in the Bible that we see this morning, they're just desperate for one man, a certain someone. His name is Jesus. And it's the same someone that is desperate for you today. Let us pray. Jesus, Jesus, we ask that whatever you could do in us, Lord, this morning to make this real in our life, would you do it? Would your Holy Spirit minister to us right now? Right where we're at. Where do we find ourselves? Are we the crowd? We're spectating. We're spectating you. We're spectating the church. It's easy to talk about naysay on what the church is doing instead of what we're not doing? Are we a man who's just desperate? We have it all. We have power. We have prestige. We've got it figured out. And, and our faith has just, just become sterile. And we just need to be desperate for you. Are we that woman who knows by the touch of a fringe of your robe Everything would be different. God, would our hearts be moved to be changed, to be more like her, desperate for you in our lives, Jesus. God, I pray right now, if there's anything that I said or preached this morning that's not of you, I pray that it would fall by the wayside. But for anything that you're speaking to your people, God, I pray that it would be hidden in their hearts and their minds today. And God, we would walk away changed by your gospel. We love you and we thank you for your word. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.